Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, episode number 93. With Dr. Momo Vucic, the co-founder and chief science officer of Viome, a healthcare disruptor that's using IA to analyze your gut microbiome to make personalized nutritional recommendations. I am so excited to introduce you to Momo Vucic, the chief science officer at Viome, who leads their efforts in product development and clinical research. Momo knows all too well of the importance of the gut-brain connection and how we can take control of our own life and health by testing our gut microbiome with personalized nutritional recommendations using biome testing. My name is Andrea Samadhi, and if you're new here, I'm a former educator who created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research along with high-performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific ideas or strategies that you can implement immediately, whether you're an educator or in the corporate space to take your results to the next level. If we want to improve our social, emotional, and cognitive abilities, it all starts with an understanding of our brain. Before we actually get to meeting Momo, I want to give you a little bit more background on Momo and Viome and what you're going to learn from this episode because this episode is quite far off from any of the episodes we've recorded in the past. Before co-founding Viome in 2016, Momo spent 12 years at Los Alamos National Laboratory where he was the leader of the Applied Genomics team. His research focused on applying modern genomics to the area of gut microbiomes, host pathogen, and microbial interspecies interactions, pathogen detection, cancer biology, toxicology, infectious diseases, and antibiotic resistance. In this episode, you will learn how Momo, the co-founder of Viome.com, reversed his rheumatoid arthritis with a change in diet. You'll learn forward-thinking strategies for taking your health into your own hands. You'll learn what your poop can tell you about your health. What exactly is microbiome testing and how it works. And a vision of the future where chronic disease is preventable and diet is personalized. Welcome, Momo. Thank you so much for taking your time to be here today with us. My pleasure. Well, Momo, when we first were introduced, I talked to you about the fact that the past few episodes I've done focus on some of the top five health staples that have been proven to prevent some of the major diseases that are out there like Alzheimer's. And I'm looking just to dive a bit deeper into these like, you know, daily exercise, getting a good quality sleep, eating a healthy diet and optimizing our microbiome and intermittent fasting. And so that's why I contacted you because I don't know a a lot about the microbiome. And after listening the podcast that you did with Luke Dupron, I'm so thrilled for this introduction because there's so much more to the microbiome that you can help us understand. But um, can you just give us your background and what brought you to where you are today inspiring your work with Viome and why you see this gut-brain connection? Yeah, so so the, the relevant background of mine is that I was diagnosed with an early onset rheumatoid arthritis in my 20s. 
And for about 15 years, I suffered greatly until I found a diet that completely prevented the, the root cause of my disease. And it took about a year for my body to heal. And since then, I've now been many, many years completely disease-free, like zero symptoms. And so that journey combined with my background in chemistry and microbiology and understanding the human body at the chemical level and my training as a scientist, uh, simply I rejected the idea that today's healthcare system, which is basically a sick care system, is what we need. So today, you know, when they say healthcare, what they really mean is sick care. They wait until you get sick and then they manage your illness, right? If you look at any chronic disease, it doesn't matter what it is. Is it diabetes? Is it obesity? Is it Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, skin problems? Anything you can imagine, IBD, IBS, there is no cure. Literally, there is no cure, as if it's some kind of mystical thing or a creature or magic, right? And so, um, you know, for rheumatoid arthritis, it was the same thing. Basically, you're going to suffer. Uh, we have drugs that cost a lot of money that have massive side effects. And we're going to give you a huge runaround at the hospitals, insurance, paperwork, bills. Mm -hmm. And all that that's going to do is slow the disease down. But you're still going to progress and you're still going to suffer and things are going to get worse. Mm -hmm. To me, that was simply not acceptable. So I worked extraordinarily hard for many years. I changed my entire scientific career. I spent days and nights and evenings and late nights reading about everything about the human body. And I'm not the first to invent this idea, but, but I'm, I'm definitely uh, one of the leaders in the field that the idea is that our health and disease is determined by many things. That if your kidneys are sick, the traditional medicine says go to a nephrologist, right? And the nephrologist is going to try to figure out what's wrong with your kidney. Well, that's not how it works. The reason why we don't have cures for any chronic disease is because people have looked at the wrong place. And so if you look at Alzheimer's, 20 years has been spent on different drugs that have targeted the brain and all of them have failed. And the reason is because the disease Alzheimer's as we know it started 20 or 30 years ago in the gut and in the immune system and in the gums and in the oral cavity. And the final culmination of all that is the symptoms that we see in the brain. And so attempting to actually fix that disease in the brain is completely futile because that's not, that's just the, the final stage of the disease. You really have to go way back. And so the, the human body is an ecosystem that is mostly consisting of microbiome and then some of human genes thrown in there. So, you know, we thought 20 years ago when we sequenced the human genome, we'll know the secrets to all the diseases. Well, that turned out to be wrong. We don't know the secrets to our diseases because chronic diseases are not genetic. They're mostly environmental. They're impacted by diet and lifestyle. So the microbiome plays a major role in whether that's oral microbiome or gut microbiome or vaginal microbiome. All of those microbiomes play, play a major role in our health. And then the nutrition plays a massive role in our health. And so it's the, it's, I'm going to now sort of mention the big pieces. So let's start at the 100,000 foot level. What determines our health and disease? And that has to do with mental health and physical health, everything. One is nutrition. And I'll delve into a little bit more what nutrition is. The second one is the microbiomes. So 
you know, today when a woman has a preterm birth, that's not magic. It's not bad luck. It's not her genetics. It's the vaginal microbiome that determines that, right? And so we just need to tease that apart. So the second part is the microbiomes, oral, vaginal, gut microbiome. The third part is the human immune system, very complex system that's supposed to prevent all infectious diseases and fend, you know, defend us against all infectious diseases, yet it needs to learn to tolerate thousands of different species of microbes and thousands of different molecules, in fact, tens of thousands of molecules that are found in food that are good for us, right? Mm -hmm. So you have an immune system that doesn't have eyes, doesn't have ears, doesn't have a brain, doesn't think like a human being, doesn't know what a chemical structure means, but it has to distinguish good from bad. And that's why we have this massive increase in autoimmune diseases because we're confusing our immune system as to what's good, what's bad, right? Because we haven't evolved to deal with what, what the current onslaught is, the chemical onslaught. Next is the hormones. They're very important, obviously, for our functions. Next one is neurotransmitters. Those are very important for our functions. Then we have mitochondria. All of these are human systems, you know, immune system, mitochondria, neurotransmitters, hormones. And so we have to study the human side as well, meaning the human genes. And so when you put all of this together, you realize that a human body is an ecosystem. It is influenced heavily by its own genes, by the microbiome genes, by nutrition, by fasting, by exercise, by sleep. And any disturbance in any of this huge network can lead to departure from health. That sums it up. That's, that's what I've yeah. been learning. You, yeah. you mess up your sleep, you mess up your diet, and this is where it all begins. Yes, exactly. And then, and then I, I also want to mention a, a really emerging field of mold illness. It's sort of on the fringes of science and medicine, and most doctors don't even recognize that it exists. There's very little scientific literature. What there is, is that in the United States, we have millions and potentially tens of millions of people who have undiagnosed illness, right? And so this, this spectrum of sort of Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, myalgia, CFS, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, brain fog, and then a full spectrum of neurological disorders that doctors can't place into a bin of, of a, a known disease. There's this huge spectrum that is caused probably by multiple things, but I am starting to believe that mold illness is actually a major cause of these neurological disorders and, and physiological disorders. And that um, uh, we at Viome, uh, at my company, we're, we're putting a major effort into actually understanding mold and understanding the connection between human health and mold. Um, one, one sort of theme that I would like to emphasize is that Many people have companies and those companies' job is to make money, right? And so I'll give you a couple of examples where um, a company like Everlywell, it's a great company. Um, they sell tests that they don't offer any tests on their own. They sell tests. So they're basically a marketing company that offers third-party tests that are mostly at-home tests, right? Great concept. I'm sure they're having a commercial success. However, when they do a million tests of a kind, they don't actually learn anything, meaning that their millionth customer 
is not given any more information than the first customer. And to me, that's a huge shame, right? The same thing in the mold testing company, right? There are many mold testing companies and they're providing mold tests, but their millionth customer is not going to be provided with any more information than the first customer. So what we have to do is we have to do several things. One is we have to start thinking differently. We have to say, you know what? We're going to start a company and we are going to offer products and we have to make money to survive. But why don't we build in a learning portion so that my millionth customer is going to be given far more accurate information, far more relevant than my first customer. Let's use these million customers to actually learn something that modern medicine doesn't know and science is going to get there in 20 years. Why don't we do that quickly, right? right. And so one example that I give that's very related to neurological disorders is, you know, we talk about depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, things like that. Schizophrenia, we're now starting to realize that, that inflammation is actually the likely root cause of these diseases, right? And inflammation can be often caused by sensitivity to foods, specific foods, right? And I'm not talking about food allergies like peanut allergies. I'm talking about food sensitivity, meaning that for a variety of reasons, um, certain foods trigger the immune system to become hyperactive because it thinks that something is wrong so that be, it's, the body's being attacked. And that inflammation leads to depression or anxiety, right? And so there, there have been many, many, many people who have done a food sensitivity test. They remove the specific foods and their anxiety and depression goes away mm-hmm. or symptoms of schizophrenia, right? And so um, what, I, what I want to say here, the point is that there have been millions of food sensitivity tests done, and yet it's still considered fringe science. It's still considered by most scientists and doctors, there's nothing there, right? When in fact, there is something there, but we haven't put as scientists, we have not put our back into it and to understand the connection between nutrition, immune system, and mental health, right? We have not done that. So we as a scientific community have failed to do that. And so sure, we can continue with our careers and keep saying this is on the fringe. But the fact is, mental diseases are on the rise. And we have no explanation for that. We have no cure for that. So to me, it's the responsibility of scientists and doctors to actually figure out what is wrong and not just, you know, not just state the fact that they're on the rise, right? And there's all this technology available. And we say, well, it's on the fringe. Well, use it to figure out what is wrong. And it's one of the tools you have. Um, And so, so this is, you know, if there's one thing I want to say about Viome is that everyone we work with, after a while, they realize that Viome is a fundamentally completely different company from every other company that they've ever worked with. And the reason is because every other company, for them, the priority is revenue and making money and, and money, 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 right? That is the primary objective of the company. And, you know, I can't say that I blame them because companies who don't think about those things, they, they're no longer around, right? So right. as a company, you absolutely have to worry about money. You have to worry about revenue. But what we do is we not only do that, but we are a socially responsible company. Every single interaction we have with every single clinical research participant or every single customer or every single partner is about how can we maximize learning so that our millionth customer is going to be far, far, far more informed than our first customer. And so 
everything we do, there is a, there is a learning component integrated into it. And, and this is really, to me, a social responsibility. And so when it comes to mold, for example, uh, Viome is going to start offering what I believe is the best mold test on the market. And I feel that none of the mold tests today are good. And so we're going to fill that gap with the best mold test on the market. But at the same time, when we ask people, when we sell them a kit for mold testing, and when we send them the results, we're not just going to do that. We're actually going to ask them, what are their symptoms? How long have they had the symptoms for, right? Um, have they tried any kind of intervention or any kind of detox? And did it work? And so we're going to then um, have a test that tells us exactly what mold is growing to what degree in their house, first of all. Second of all, we're going to know which mycotoxins each one of these molds is actually producing. We're not going to measure mycotoxins chemically. We're going to measure the production of mycotoxins by these molds. And now we're going to collect the symptoms information, right? Right now, at the beginning, when we launch the product, we're not going to be able to say, oh, you have these symptoms and they're caused by this mold and this is how you're going to treat yourself and this is how you're going to treat the mold. We're not going to do that. But I guarantee by the time we get a millionth customer, we're going to know all of this. We're going to know exactly what to tell them. This is what you have. This is what's causing it. This is how you need to treat your mold. This is how you need to treat yourself and your family members, right? Momo, this is fascinating because you're talking about mold here and some of my past podcasts, we've actually discussed this. Um, we, my husband and I got our brain scanned um, just to see the health of our brain, just to figure out what was going on. And one of my friends had their brain scanned at the same clinic and I asked him some questions, you know, why did you go in? And he was experiencing brain fog um, was doing everything he could do. And it turned out that he had mold exposure in his home and he had to go the route of a brain scan, which was quite expensive for him and a, like a runaround way to get the answers like you're talking about. So how would people even begin to think I might have mold in my home if they have brain fog? So you're saying that Viome is trying to bring to light to pinpoint some of the problems to take out all the guessing and the doctors and the, the frustration that people are experiencing. Yeah. I mean, mold currently in the United States, and I think that's probably happening worldwide, but you know, people are not as open about it and, and uh, willing to share and, and uh, you know, Facebook groups are not necessarily um, as prevalent elsewhere. But what I do know is in the United States, when people get, mold exposure, what happens typically is that they will have months or years of an extraordinarily frustrating and expensive journey where their health is either not getting better or it's actually declining. Their family members are declining in health. They're experiencing extraordinary difficulty in working, in performing social functions and performing family functions. They're developing extraordinary difficulty with interacting with their family members where and friends where they cannot function normally, but their family and friends, since they reject the idea of mold as, as an illness because the medical community rejects it, they say, this is voodoo, this doesn't exist, it's all in your head. Right. We're talking about then making things worse emotionally and mentally, right? Only to go through the healthcare system where they're bounced from doctor to doctor, from test to test, not to know what's happening, to then 
make a full circle, come back around and actually do the research on their own and find out, oh my God, I have mold illness, right? And right. so you have spent months or years just with this emotional journey mm -hmm. only to find out that you actually are the best doctor for yourself. And so, you know, when, when there's this phrase now, you know, um, don't, 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 you know, uh, don't tell me you're a Google doctor because I went to medical school. Well, it turns out that unfortunately, the medical school is really not a good training for a lot of these chronic diseases. And right. that Google, Google doctor is actually far more powerful. And once you connect with the community and find out, oh my God, there are hundreds or thousands or millions of people out there who've suffered similar things and they've gone through the same journey, then you actually have to find out how to detox online from like common people who have never gone to school of any kind. And that's actually what's helping you. So really we're finding out that again, healthcare has a very, very minor, minor contribution to human health. There, the system is meant to keep you sick and to manage your illness. And it's really not there to cure you. And so people have to take care of themselves. So mold is a growing problem for several reasons. One is that uh, global warming is allowing mold to grow more places, right? Second is that every time there is a flood in the house or a water leak in the house and mold set, you know, sets foot in that house, now there's, there's potential for more mold, right? The third is that there's no awareness of it. People simply don't know. They're surprised that they have mold in their house because it, science of mold is very, very immature. Um, and so there are all these factors that are contributing to the spread of mold, global, you know, globalization and global trade and all that. And so we really, really quickly have to bring hardcore science to this and understand it so that we can help people live better lives because it's literally destroying people's lives. I mean, I have seen many, many stories where people are homeless because of mold exposure, their families and friends rejected them because they don't believe them. There are people who are mentally sick because, you know, they're so frustrated with the situation that they're sick and that the society is rejecting the idea that they're sick. They're told to go to a, you know, psychiatric ward. Mm -hmm. And so this is real. It's, it's affecting real people in a real way. And it's terrible, terrible to read these testimonials. So I'm working extraordinarily hard to bring this test to the market. We're in the final stages of beta testing. We should be releasing it soon. Um, and then, like I said, immediately from day one, we are going to be tying the presence of specific mold strains, the, 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 the production of specific mycotoxins with specific symptoms so that eventually we, and, and specific detox so that we can eventually pinpoint exactly what is going on. And what I really want is, as everything we do at VIO, is really we want to have a program where every indoor space, it, whether it's professional or, or home, is tested on a regular basis so that when mold shows up, we can actually get rid of it before any symptoms come on. Because you have a situation right now where a teacher is sick for months or years and they don't know what's causing them only to find out that there is mold at their place of work in their classroom, only to then have to fight the system because they, you know, no one wants to deal with remediation because guess what? Remediation costs money, first of all. Second of all, the professional mold remediators, the term professional means nothing. 
All that it means is that you're making money off it. That's what the term professional means. It doesn't mean that you know science. You don't know microbiology. You know, I've seen, you know, professionals chime in on some of these boards and they're making completely false scientific statements because they have no microbiology training. They have no technical training. They have no scientific background, yet they're making assertions because they're professionals. This is how it's supposed to be done. And so they're actually doing things the wrong way. So we really have to bring science to all this. This is very important work because I know many people, there, there isn't one person I know who has not been impacted in some way by chronic disease, whether it be mold, whether it be depression, anxiety, all of the chronic diseases that you mentioned that you're, you've got an eye out for with a test and some sort of strategy or idea to prevent. Is that correct? You've got your eye. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, we are focused on prevention because we, so this is probably the most important statement I'm going to make in this podcast. Today, we have 100% of science and technology needed to prevent every chronic disease and every cancer. Okay. And so it's a shame that we don't have solutions because there are things in the way, there are barriers in the way, you know, um, two of the major barriers are that majority of the scientific funding is spent on academia and pharma. Academia are not solving practical problems. They're publishing papers and writing grants. So they have no incentive to help you and I live a better life. They have zero incentive, in fact, to do that, right? Pharma has no incentive to cure my disease because I was supposed to be on a biologic that costs $100,000 a year for the rest of my life, right? And bouncing from doctor to doctor and getting MRIs and x-rays. So I was supposed to contribute enormous amounts of money to the healthcare system, aka sick care system. I cured my disease completely with a diet change. So why would they be interested in losing a customer and telling me how to cure my disease. Of course, they're not. That's not their business model, right? And I'm not saying people who run pharma companies are evil or bad people. It's just that that's their business model. You can't work at a pharma company if you're going to be looking for curative solutions. That's not their business model, right? So that's one major problem is that today, research dollars are spent on things that have nothing to do or very little to do with curing and preventing chronic diseases. Second is all the bureaucracy and all the rules we have, right? We have so much bureaucracy. You know, universities used to be sort of agile and used to be able to run things quickly. We now have too much bureaucracy at every single layer. If you look at, for example, any kind of a chronic disease, 99% of all studies are done in mice. We know how to make mice live longer. We know how to make them live healthier. We know how to cure every disease in mice. But that doesn't help me at all. And the re one of the reasons why, why so much research is, is done on mice is because people don't want to do human research because there's this thing called IRB, you know, Institutional Review Board, that's supposed to review clinical research and, and give it a green light. Well, these guys are just mostly, again, mostly pure bureaucrats that are stalling research. And so when, when a researcher is faced with you know what, I can do my work in mice, get my publications and get my grants, or I can do my work in, in humans and have to deal with these bureaucrats who are slowing me down. Of course, they're going to choose to work in mice, 
they're not going to deal, they're not going to want to deal with bureaucrats. Everyone I talk to, everyone at universities, at biotech, at big pharma, everyone I talk to, they're afraid of IRBs. They're like, oh, that's just an impossible. It's like they just slow down every little thing they possibly can. And so one of the major efforts that I would like the government to, to do is that the purpose of IRBs is not to slow down research, to bring barriers to research. The purpose of IRBs is to enable research, meaning when an IRB committee is reviewing a research proposal, they should focus on what can we do to enable and accelerate this research instead of what, can, what are the problems with this research, right? And so, uh, you know, this is what I used to tell all the IRB committees that I used to work with. I am not asking you to come up with problems to my solutions. I have offered a solution. I, I'm not here to hear from you what the problems are with my solution. I am here to listen to your solutions to my problem. And when you turn the IRB people's minds around and they have this attitude, oh, we're here to help Momo. We need to enable this research so he can get started and help people. Now they start to think differently and things completely go the other way. And so I used to be afraid of IRBs, but then I, then I became not afraid because they started working with me. And if we can teach both sides, the researchers and the IRBs, how we, how we can do this more efficiently, then I think research will flourish. I think this is diverting a little bit from your topic, but it's, okay. a, it's a very important thing. It, it is because that's what you're involved with over there and it helps people to understand. And when, when I was listening to Luke Dupron's podcast, I got a, quite an understanding of the gut microbiome, which was the first reason why I was looking at you to come on the podcast. And you gave some great suggestions for people who might be like me that didn't have a background on, you know, what is the connection between the gut and the brain you suggest to look up Dr. Robin Chutkan, her book, The Microbiome Solution. She's got a new book out, The Gut Bliss. And so I'll put all those links in the show notes for people that might be like, what exactly is the gut microbiome? What do I need to do? But can you just give a quick overview on why it's so important for us to understand this gut-brain connection and why true health begins in our gut? Yeah, of course. So let me let me give you um, a couple of examples. Well, three examples really that are just extraordinary. So one example is a woman had bipolar disorder, and if you ask today a hundred doctors, if you have a bipolar disorder, what is wrong with you? A hundred doctors will say something is wrong with your brain, mm -hmm. and those of those hundred doctors, likely all hundred are actually wrong, or maybe one of them is 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 right but 99 are wrong. And I'll give you an example that's really striking. A woman had bipolar disorder, completely dysfunctional, not able to hold a job, not able to function as a human being. She tried every pharmaceutical there was. She was in Australia at that time, tried every pharmaceutical there was, nothing worked. Her disease was basically not improving with the drugs. So her doctor agreed with her. She pushed for a fecal microbiota transplant. And so for those people who don't know, a fecal microbiota transplant is a fancy term for poop transplant. You basically take poop, literally raw poop from a person, and you put it inside your intestine, either from the bottom up or from the top down. There's both methods and, you know, we don't know yet which one works better. Anyways, this is a so-called miracle by the medical community because 
you know, this woman proposed that to her doctor, the doctor agreed to oversee her progress. And so she started taking FMT from her husband. And six months later, her bipolar disorder disappeared. And three years after that, her doctor wrote a peer reviewed article stating, for all practical reasons, she has no more bipolar disorder. And she is no, she does no longer, she no longer needs any pharmaceutical, right? She's completely drug free. And she has no symptoms of bipolar disorder three years later, right? And so the reason this happened was microbes in our gut are essential for physiological functions in our body. And one of those is generating the right neurotransmitters. So majority of the neurotransmitters generated in our body are actually generated in the gut, not in the brain. So serotonin is generated in the gut, not the, well, it's 10% is in the brain, 90% is in the gut. It turns out that microbes stimulate the production of these neurotransmitters. Well, if you don't have the right microbes, they're not going to stimulate anything, which means you're going to lack neurotransmitters for the normal function of your brain. And so this woman for either antibiotic overuse or eating food that had, you know, preservatives or gastrointestinal infections or whatever, most likely antibiotic use, she wiped out these healthy microbes and she was sick and when she obtained the right microbes from her husband, she restored her physiology and she was normal, right? So this is a very striking example. Another striking example is that a person with Alzheimer's disease had a Clostridium difficile infection. This is a very severe gastrointestinal infection. He was treated with an FMP, so with poop transplant for that gastrointestinal infection. And guess what? Six months later, his Alzheimer's went away. And so something that medicine would say, Alzheimer's not curable. You know, bipolar order is not curable. You can't cure them. That's not true. What's true is that modern medicine and pharmaceutical solutions do not have those tools, but it's certainly curable. There's no magic or mystery or bad luck about it. It's just chemistry that we don't yet understand. And so these are just some of the examples where miracles do happen. And by the way, speaking of Clostridium difficile, that's not a mental disorder. It's an infectious disease that's actually very deadly. People can look up the statistics, but it it kills something like 12,000 Americans every year. Um, This disease is is a bacterial disease and it's treated with all kinds of antibiotics, but it's becoming more and more antibiotic resistant. Guess what? People who have been treated with every known antibiotic and they are not treatable anymore, by traditional methods, they would be sent home to die. When they receive a fecal microbiota transplant, 95% of them recover within three days. So it's this miracle cure, right? But it's not approved by the FDA because it is not a defined drug. It's just a poop transplant. You pick a random person that you think is healthy, just inject some poop into a a sick person and three days later, they're good, right? So one of the very disturbing things that's happening today is that the FDA is now currently not allowing poop transplants because there is a chance that SARS-CoV-2 virus is in the stool. And so they're saying, well, there's a tiny chance that you'll get transmission of this virus, so just go home and die, right? That's literally what people are told. In today, in the 21st century, with all the science and technology we have, uh, they're literally sent home to die. So what they do is they go on YouTube, they find DIY solutions for doing poop transplants, and then they perform it themselves. And so if you, if you just search YouTube, you will find many examples. And one typical example would be where a woman was literally sent home to die. She was told, tomorrow morning, you may not be alive, but there is nothing we can do for you. 
She bought $15 worth of supplies on YouTube, you know, on Amazon based on a YouTube video. She took poop from her son or daughter. I don't remember. She injected it into her intestines. And three days, three days later, she was walking and she was normal, symptoms free. Wow. So we really have to come to the term that we have to realize that Doctors know very little about the human body. Doctors know if you have a known illness, how to place you in that illness box, meaning they diagnose you, and they know how to reach into the pharmaceutical options to treat you for that illness, which is not really treatment, it's really management of that illness. That is the state of the art in medicine. What we are doing at Viome is we are absolutely not trying to change that medicine model. We're not trying to improve it. We're not trying to convince any doctor of anything. We're leaving it alone. We are going to create an alternative healthcare where we can help people directly take care of their own health, create preventative solutions, and create curative solutions for every known disease that includes all cancers. And when we create that space, guess what's going to happen with the current medical system? It'll fall apart completely because do you really want to wait until you have a heart attack and then be on medications for the rest of your life and, and, and jump from hospital to hospital? Of course not. Do you want to do the same thing with Alzheimer's, with Parkinson's, with IBD, with IBS? Of course, no one wants that. When there's a solution to actually prevent every single chronic disease and every cancer, of course, everyone's going to want it. And you don't have to go to the hospital. You don't have to pay for, you don't have to de deal with insurance and all that stuff. So that's what Viome is about. And I'm just hyper excited to wake up every day. And my phrase that I wake up with every day is the only way to predict the future is to invent it. And so every single day, I don't spend time thinking about, gee, what's the future going to hold? You know, I don't speculate. I'm inventing actively what will be the future. I'm making it happen. And I know exactly what's going to happen because I know what science and technology is available. I know we can use it to, to bring all these solutions to everyone. It's just a matter of time before it happens. How exciting is that? This is crazy because I've, I've mentioned on some of my other podcasts that I also reversed something um, back in 2005 I was, well, in my late 20s, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovaries. And my doctor said, when you are, it's time to conceive and have kids, you probably will have to go on, you know, in vitro. And, um, and it's going to be rough for you to conceive ch for children. And so I always had that in the back of my head and thought, oh, no, you know, when, when I married my husband, I thought I better tell him before we get married, it might be a rough time with me. And then by chance, I went, I was having problems with my feet, with exercise. I went to this doctor, a podiatrist here in Arizona, and he said, have you thought about cutting out sugar of your diet? See if it will help your feet. And I thought, no. So all I did was cut out sugar and added fish oil. And within three months, the polycystic ovaries was completely reversed. I wasn't even, that wasn't even the goal. I was just trying to stop my feet from going numb when I was exercising. And then I, you know, my husband and I were ready to have children. I went to the doctor and I said, you know, what's the scenario? She looked and there was a certain number that I had to have to be considered to have this syndrome thing. And she said, no, there's nothing there. What have you done? And I said, is all I did was cut out sugar and added fish oil. And she said, well, I firmly believe that you can reverse these 
conditions. And I hear people all the time on, you know, podcasts and shows talking about the fact that they're struggling with these things. And I'm thinking, just cut out sugar. It's not difficult. But, you know, when going on to my next question for you, you know, how do we know? I discovered that by chance. How would we know that yeah. That, that I need to do that. Right. So that's that's a very complicated issue. And that's why, so for you, sugar and fish oil worked. If you take 100 women with the same condition, right. uh, chances are you'll need maybe 50 different changes for those 100 women, right? And so that's because we're highly, highly different. Mm -hmm. And so the same physiological manifestation, which is CO, you know, whatever it is, uh, polycystic ovary or anything can be, can be a manifestation of m way, way too many different things. And so what we have to do is as scientists, we, we need to understand what exactly is the root cause of any condition? So let's let's talk about IBS. So that's a that's sort of a fresh example at Viome. So um, I, I assume you know about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, right? It's this again mystical creature, right? Doctors don't know what to do with it because they can't they can't they can't give you a drug for it. And so even if they diagnose you with IBS, they don't know what to do with you because they don't know what's wrong with you. And the reason why they don't know that is because there's nothing actually wrong with you. There's something wrong with your gut microbiome, right? And doctors and medical community and pharmaceutical companies, they have not come up with a solution. But at Viome, we've paid attention to it, this being one of the reasons that nothing is known about it and that 45 million Americans have it. It's like one of the most prevalent diseases in the United States. And people are really suffering. So what we've done is we've looked at thousands of people who have IBS and thousands of people who don't have IBS, and we've analyzed their gut microbiome. And because we have a test, a microbiome test that's very unique, no one else uses this kind of a test. Every other microbiome company uses a DNA-based test, which is the only thing they can tell you is uh, who is there, which microorganisms are there. And so they have not been able to find a solution because the, the difference between the microbiome composition among two people who have IBS is a, is different as between people who have IBS and healthy people, meaning that I can't walk up to someone and say, oh, you have an IBS microbiome, you're going to have IBS, because that's not true. What is true is that the microbiome, the gut microbiome, is like a chemical factory. And two people with IBS can have very different microbiomes compositionally meaning the names of the microbes are very different, but both of those microbiomes are doing two things that are different from healthy microbiomes. On one side, their microbiomes are producing biochemicals. I call it sometimes micro poop, right? They're producing biochemicals that are, that are causing IBS symptoms. And on the other flip side, they're failing to produce chemicals that are keeping us healthy, right? So that's the difference. So people need to stop thinking of microbiome as a collection of microbes that we've given names to. My brain, my intestinal cells, my muscles, my bowel movement cares zero about the fact that there is a little microsphere that humans call bacteria and have named it, you know, uh, Bacteroides vulgatus, right? That makes no difference to my human physiology, right? My human physiology my physiology only depends on 
the chemical signaling from nutrition and from my gut microbiome and my own genes and how they work together chemically. It's all about chemical signaling. And that's sort of the fundamental concept that I struggle. I have a PhD in chemistry. So for me, that's a simple concept to talk about chemicals and chemical reactions. But for a lot of people, you know, when, when people think of food, they think of what you see at the grocery store. Broccoli is food, right? When I think of broccoli, I don't think of broccoli. I think of it's a sack of a thousand different types of molecules that when they hit my intestines, my body and the microbiome are going to say, whoa, food has arrived. And each microbe in every person is going to say, oh, I'm going to take this molecule, I'm going to process it, and I'm going to take energy from it. That's how I'm going to live. And another microbe is going to say, oh, but I like this molecule, I'm going to process it and make energy out of it and use it, right? So both human, humans and the microbiome are taking these molecular ingredients of foods, are processing them into byproducts, and during that process, we're extracting energy, right? And so when we feed yeast, for example, in, to make bread, we feed it sugar, right? They're taking that sugar. Yeast don't just grow and produce carbon dioxide out of thin air, right? They're actually taking the sugar we give them. They ferment it. And during that process of fermentation, why are they fermenting? Because that's their food. That's how they extract energy. They produce carbon dioxide, which makes bread fluffy. The same thing when we make beer. We're feeding yeast the sugar to produce alcohol, but that's their byproduct. They're not, they're not making alcohol because we're, they're nice to us. They're making alcohol because they, they, that's their byproduct. That's their micro poop. It just happens that humans like alcohol, right? But this is exactly what's happening in our gut. It's, a chemi- it's, a, it's thousands of chemical reactions that are consuming molecular ingredients in foods. And because you have a very different microbiome from mine, if I introduce quino in my microbiome and you introduce quino into your microbiome, your microbiome may use it to produce byproducts that are actually harmful to you. And my microbiome can use the exact same ingredients to produce byproducts that are actually good for me. And so we have to understand that every individual has a different microbiome and that they, that microbiome has to be combined with a highly personalized diet that cannot be binned into Mediterranean ketogenic and three others. That at Viome, for example, if we take 100 random people and we ask, what is their diet? All of those 100 people have a different diet, and none of those diets can be binned into ketogenic or Mediterranean because microbes don't know anything about ketogenic diet. My human physiology and my mental health and my neurotransmitters have nothing to do with Mediterranean diet or ketogenic diet. They only understand the chemical signaling and that chemical signaling has to do with serotonin production in my gut that is induced by chemical signals coming from the bacteria that is regulated by molecular ingredients in our food. Is that complicated? It is complicated. So, but, but I understand where you're going with this and I want to, I want to understand it deeper to help people with their productivity because Here's, here's where our basic knowledge is in our household. We have a probiotic that we take at night. We're just randomly guessing. This is where we are. Who knows? Yep. We take it. We, we say, did you take your probiotic? We, we're trying to fix our gut that we, we know yep. we need to improve for our productivity. I know there's prebiotics. There's things that 
that I think harm my gut, but I'm, I'm guessing again, I haven't done your test. I don't know yes. what foods are harmful to me personally, um, ones that I should enjoy. and ones Yeah, that so let me comment on this. So let me comment on this. The state of today's supplement industry is they are a marketing industry. They have no science. They have no, they have a, no, they have not attempted to bring any science to it, right? They are buying a truckload of vitamins and probiotics and prebiotics, and they're trying to get you to buy as many of them as possible. Okay. That is it. I mean, whether you know that or not, that is the truth, right? But you can also do your own research and find out that the top 10 major suppliers of supplements have zero science. Okay. So that's one thing. The second thing is, Two years ago, we had machine-learned models for molecular data that can figure out exactly which supplements, prebiotics, and probiotics every person needs and which ones they don't. In fact, they would be harmful. And so two years ago, we went to the top 10 supplement manufacturers and told them excitedly and naively, hey, we now have mathematical equations that can tell for every person exactly what they need and nothing they don't, right? Okay. And they said, well, that's great, but that's not going to work for us. That's not our business model. Our business model is to shove as many supplements down people's throats as we can. Our model is not to reduce our revenue by telling people, oh, you only need this, but you don't really need these other things. So for a year, we knocked on every door. We tried as hard to inspire people, to motivate people to say, look, we now have the science to figure it out. They said, that's not our business model. Our business model is sell, sell, sell. Mm. So a year ago, we had to make a very difficult decision to pursue this on our own. And so a month ago, so a year later, we came out with precision supplements. So today, every Viome customer can actually buy our supplements. And those supplements consist of you know, traditional uh, minerals and vitamins, but also food extracts, and then prebiotics and probiotics that that person needs everything they need and nothing they don't. And those things that they need, they're given in the amounts they need because not everyone needs the same amount of everything. So these are true precision supplements. And the beautiful thing about it is that the formula for every person is computed using the chemistry we measure with our test and mathematical equations. There is no human involvement. There is no anecdotes. There is no experience. There is nothing human. It is 100% chemistry and mathematics to get to what a person needs, right? And so that's really the revolution we're bringing. We're objectivizing because today, if you go to three highly qualified nutritionists and you present to them the exact same set of symptoms, you're going to get three different recommendations, Mm -hmm. guaranteed. And the reason is because nutritional sciences are not science-based. They're experience-based. Every nutritionist has had their own experiences and they're going to make recommendations to you based on their experience. They have no measurement. They're not measuring anything. They have no science. They have no chemistry and they have no math, right? And so it's a guesswork. So we at Biome really, one of the reasons that I founded the company and I worked really hard for many years prior to that is to really objectivize the human body, digitize it into objective chemical reactions and chemicals and understand what is health, what is disease, and then really use food and supplements to modulate the gut microbiome and our own physiology to be healthy. 
So let's just say I go to your website, Momo, and I'm really interested because I want to improve my health my productivity. I know my stomach doesn't feel right. I want to do something like I'm on a mission. What is, what do I have to do? Do I have to send in a sample? Yeah. So currently, currently we have two uh, testing products or services on the market. One is based on solely the stool sample. Uh, It's called the gut intelligence test. And that comes with a stool test and three months of recommendations for food and supplements. The other test uh, is called a health intelligence, and it includes a stool and a blood sample. The blood sample is collected at home. It's finger prick. It's just really easy to collect, and we only need 100 microliters of blood. And so uh, that's collected at home, shipped at room temperature. There is no refrigeration, no freezing. And depending on which test, which service you choose, you're still going to be given on the app uh, food recommendations, exactly what you need and how much of it you need and which foods to avoid and what supplements we recommend. Uh, And so that's been the default service for the last several years, diet and supplement recommendations. Now you can upgrade either, so you can go ahead and go on your own and buy the supplements. Um, The challenge with that is simple supplement like calcium. I wanna buy calcium. It's very difficult to buy calcium on its own. They bundle it with like three other things. It's very difficult to buy vitamin D3. It's very difficult to buy what you need. They always bundle it with other things. And by the time you bundle, you're going to spend more money than what our service costs, and you're going to be ingesting things that are not necessarily good for you. So either one of these services can be upgraded to a plan that gives you monthly uh, precision supplements. And to be 100% honest, since I'm not on the commercial side of the company, I don't actually know what this looks like and how you would do that. I get my kits for free, of course. But uh, but I don't, but, but, you know, just go to Viome.com and explore and it should be very self-explanatory as to how to sign up and how to get the supplements and all that. It is. And I just want to understand it. So when, once I've sent in my, my sample, the app, the actual phone app is going to tell me what foods are superfoods for me. Yeah. So, so you can actually, uh, as far as I know, you can download the app and you can go into the demo mode, which will show you exactly what it looks like. And yes, so our computers will sort all foods into four different categories. They range from avoid, meaning never eat. And then three categories that you're supposed to eat, minimize, enjoy, and superfoods. And so minimize means maybe eat one serving per day or less. Enjoy, meaning eat a lot of these foods every day. And then superfoods, you know, some people unfortunately get only a list of like three superfoods, but some people get like 25 superfoods. You're supposed to consume these all the time. And then if you have a list of 25, you're really supposed to alternate them. You're supposed to maybe each day of the week, you would eat three superfoods so that because your body needs all of those uh, uh, nourishments for maintaining a balance. So, and all of that is explained in the app and the app also explains there are some foods that everyone should avoid. And, you know, added sugar is, is definitely one of those, but there are some others, you know, highly processed, preserved, you know, foods that just contain absolutely nasty chemicals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your vision? Where are you going in the next 10 years? I know we're getting close to the end of our time, so I don't want to keep you too yeah. long, but. Yeah. So our vision is very clear. Uh, so you guys have all seen, I mean, everyone's seen like the instrument panel for an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. And the pilot on a just at 24 hours, I mean, constantly throughout the flight has a very visual view, meaning a gauge. 
for every single system on the airplane, right? Viome is going to bring that kind of a concept to human health, meaning that as we grow, we already have some of those instruments, but as we grow, the final vision is that for every chronic disease and for every type of cancer, we're going to have a gauge that's going to be displayed on the dashboard on the app where today, if you ask anyone, will you get pancreatic cancer? The answer is, I have no freaking idea. Today, when a person gets pancreatic cancer, it's literally in the 21st century considered bad luck. That's like going back 700 years ago during the the plague outbreak, right? Where will you get plague? I don't know, right? Right. But today we have the tools to understand who's going to get the plague and how to treat it. But 700 years ago, we didn't. Mm -hmm. Today, we are literally 700 years old in terms of cancer. We don't know who's going to get what. Will you get multiple sclerosis? You don't know. And once you get it, it's bad luck. I mean, how can we, how can we, how can we think that a disease as devastating as multiple sclerosis is bad luck? It's not bad luck. And we have all the technology to actually prevent it. It's just that no one's doing it. And so the dashboard will basically be for diabetes, for heart disease, for multiple sclerosis, for Alzheimer's. It'll show you your current risk and your cumulative risk of that disease. And if it becomes high, it'll tell you exactly what to eat, what not to eat, how to exercise, when to exercise, how to sleep, when to sleep, whether to fast, what type of fasting, right? It'll tell you, it'll guide you, it'll tell you how to cook, it'll tell you what to cook. You know, we're going to have a a, a module on our app that's called Chef Vi. Vi is sort of the theme of our app. Chef Vi will be like Alexa. It'll talk to you when we develop it. And you'll, you'll be driving home from work and you'll say, hey, Vi, I want to I want to go home and I want to cook Thai food with chicken um, and you know uh, what should I do right and Chef Vi is going to immediately make your recommendation and say hey I know what's in your fridge because there's a camera in your fridge and I can see it and I'm going to compute a recipe for you and when you get home I'm going to tell you exactly what to do and how to do it and today for example we do this manually so I have a three a three family members and all three of us have different diets. Now there's an overlap. And so we will often make, not often, every single meal we make, we will make sort of a core meal that satisfies all of our requirements, but then we'll subtract and add things based on what individual requirements are. I can't have tomatoes. My wife is superfood tomatoes and my son is enjoy tomatoes. So they eat them and I never touch them. Like literally I don't touch them. Sweet potatoes are on their avoid list, but they're my superfood. So I eat sweet potatoes all the time. I can't have potatoes, but they can, so they eat potatoes. And so these are the kinds of modifications that we make where, you know, we will, we, whenever we make Thai food, we will make two dishes. Whenever we make pasta, we will make two dishes. But the core, like Thai sauce with coconut milk, with chili spice, with like baby corn, with things like that, and rice are all common. But then we will add, we will then split it into two pots and make two different dishes. And so, You know, you can say, unfortunately, you know, that's what it takes, but that is what it takes. We have to eat different foods in order to stay healthy. And so we don't have a choice really. Yep, it makes sense to me because I'm already cooking for me. Everyone in my family eats something different. So I'd rather know that what I'm cooking is healthy than just guessing. This takes the guesswork out of everything. I wanna thank you so much for this information, Momo. It's mind blowing what you're doing over there. I'm so excited. I would like to learn more about this. I'm definitely checking out your website. For others who wanna learn more, they just go to viome.com. 
learn more about the process of this simple testing, learning the score, the supplements, things exactly. to enjoy. Thank exactly. you so much. Is there and, anything else that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if people, so we, we also have an active studies, um, research studies they can go browse and see if they qualify for any studies and currently we're recruiting beta testers for our mold testing so if any of your um, in, in the audience would like to do a to do a, a free beta beta test of their house or their workplace uh, we're happy to do that just send an email to studies at viome.com um, and uh, we'll ship them a, a mold collection kit uh, surface swabs and they can collect them and we'll give them the results so that's pretty exciting Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this, Momo. You have a wonderful day and, and I wish you luck on this. This is an exciting 10 years to get to where your vision is. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.